Hey everyone, I've been so excited to tell you about my latest obsession. I recently got a tonal installed in my new Zen Den and I know those of you that follow me on Instagram know how excited I am. Tonal is a smart at-home gym that replaces every machine in the weight room and has personal training programs built in. Now, a lot of you know that I am a gym person. I like to go to the gym. I like to stay motivated uh, by watching other people work out, but that's currently not happening. And I've tried and tried for months to keep myself motivated. And when my friend told me about the tonal, I was a little bit apprehensive because I've tried things like this before, but there was nothing that compared to how tonal really adapted to me and my lifestyle. Once I did the strength assessment, it almost felt like the machine adapted to me and it made it super easy for me to follow workouts. There's four to six week programs that you can follow and there's all kinds of different workouts. There's high intensity training, guided programs, yoga, meditation, all these different types of programs to just meet your lifestyle and your needs. Tonal can help you gain strength and burn fat. It's such an easy and achievable way to get to the goals that you want. Currently, I'm in week three and I feel so much stronger than I did over the course of the last couple of months with me trying and failing to work out on my own. It's got a really sleek design and it looks like a TV on your wall, which to me is super important. It doesn't have any bulky weights or racks and you can put up to 200 pounds of resistance on this thing. It was wild. I know I tried it. I definitely couldn't move it, but I did <laughs> I did try it because I wanted to see how much resistance it gave me. Tonal also has an incredible online community on Facebook and really that's the only time I ever go on Facebook. It's such an incredible feeling to see how many people are actually coming together, talking about workouts. And it's just really great to see that we're all still here. Everybody still wants to be healthy. Tonal is offering our Radically Loved listeners a special offer. You can try Tonal for 30 days risk-free. Just visit www.tonal.com for $100 off the smart accessories when you use the promo code LOVED. That's L-O-V-E-D at checkout. Go to www.tonal.com, promo code LOVED. Tonal is here to help you be your strongest. And now, back to our show. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Radically Loved Radio. I'm joined again by Tessa, who is gonna basically just tell you what's going on today because my brain is fried <laughs> she's hello, laughing at hello. me <laughs> so you guys we last week was our first um basically venture we were at mod pod studios chewy i'm not in mod pod today i am back in my zen den my shih tzu is crying and uh, we are in the middle of uh, two bathroom remodels for our house because, you know, why not? It's 2020. And um, as you, you know, Tess, I mean, I've, I've been posting about this on Instagram a little bit, but not as much as I should. I'm writing a book right now. Uh, we're in the middle of a, you know, pandemic and <laughs> I gotta, I gotta it. So hold on got one second. Background music. There. Oh my god! 
All right. So Chewy was uh, put outside the door. So, so he's not creating background music, but um, I, I'm excited for today's podcast because uh, Alan Finger, who is, uh, I guess, our great grand teacher. Yes. Mark? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is on the show. And we had such a great and powerful conversation. Um, apropos to the topic that I'm talking about, kind of being a little bit overwhelmed with a lot of things going on. Um, Tori and I have been kind of without a bathroom and shower for about a week now, which has been really interesting. We've been getting to know our neighbors really well. And, uh, so yeah, that's been, uh, it's been, you know, interesting, you know, I always use that word when I don't want to say it's been a fucking shit show. I'm like, it's just, it's been interesting, you know, mm-hmm. I can imagine it's right? almost like you're camping in your house. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And there was a, a big pipe, I guess that burst down the street, not down the street, like on our block. And so we had these big city trucks excavating, excavating, right. Like taking this big pipe out and replacing yeah we're digging in the oh yeah that's excavation for sure yes so that's been so much excitement and fun and uh very trying funny enough just now before tessa and i started to record there was some uh sawing going on right <laughs> next door i think our neighbors also i think everybody on our block is doing home improvement you know yeah. um so there's been a lot of ambient noise to accompany our lives the last couple of days. How's your week been, Tess? It's been a really good week, mainly because the weather has been amazing. And oh yeah, tell me about how is it over? There? I love the fall in in Oregon. I'm me obsessed. too. Well, you're in Washington technically, but you're in yeah. Oregon. I mean, I could walk across the bridge and be in Oregon. So I'm a Pacific Northwesterner. <laughs> um, but it's been amazing. It's been so sunny and clear and it's that finally that crisp fall feeling, you know, when yes. it's like beautiful and bright outside and the leaves are changing. So I love this time of year and I feel so inspired to cook. So I've been cooking mm. week and, um, I don't know if you remember the cookies. Uh, we went to a retreat. We did a retreat with Elise Kopecki. Yes. Nourish and escape. And we, we had these cookies. They were called I think she called them hummus cookies. Our caterers, our lovely sweet yes. catering ladies. So I got the recipe from from Jill Rose, and I make them religiously. And I hadn't made them for a while, so I just made them this morning, and they are delicious. Yum! I'm going to dig into them. Yeah, I love. I mean those those recipe books, uh, Elise and Shalane, are uh, incredible. I'm looking to see other inside the house, but uh, run fast, eat slow. Mm-hmm. are some of the best recipes easy to make um they're really nourishing and the superhero muffins are my favorite oh, um yes. and it's perfect I, just that you're talking about that it's perfect running weather i've been running since covid started so in a way i'm really grateful for the weather to turn but unfortunately i shouldn't say unfortunately i'm very blessed to live in sunny california <laughs> but it's been so well i'm in the valley now right so living in the valley it's it's always going to be 10 degrees hotter than it is in town where i used to live in in laurel canyon and uh so it it could be like 86 degrees in the morning when i start running and it is wow brutal out there 
Does it, is it like a dry heat or is it humid? Oh no, it's dry heat. Like it, it hurts. Yeah. It's, it's intense, but you know what? It's, it's going to cool down. I know it is. And, um, I just have to wake up extra early or than I normally do to make sure I, I do it. And it's cool enough still where it's not unbearable, but hopefully the weather will start to turn, yeah. but yeah. So, you know, I, a couple of people liked last week's episode, uh, with Paria, um, which was really interesting because I didn't realize how many moms listen to the, well, I do. I mean, I, I know a lot of people, a lot of you listeners are from all different backgrounds and, and, you know, but I was really surprised at how many mamas listen to the podcast because there was a couple of you that emailed asking for more information. And a couple of you wanted the workbook, which is on my website. If you go to the podcast episode to any of the podcasts we have, there are some workbooks that you can download to listen to the podcast and, and just integrate whatever we're talking about, whatever the guest is. Uh, zone of genius is you can utilize a little workbook to, uh, you know, see how any of what they're saying is adding value or, or not. But yeah, I was really moved by the emails that I was getting from moms, just thanking us for having her on. And it's a, such an important topic. And again, because I'm not a parent yet, um, it's not something that I really think about, you know, so yeah. Yeah. I just loved her raw honesty. She was so forthright about, wow, I had this um, reaction that was like, not what she, she talked about how she felt so like she was so liberal. And then she had this reaction that felt almost judgmental. And I just yeah. so appreciated her ability to be honest with herself and the world at large. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And wrote a book about it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So for those of you that haven't listened to last week's episode, uh, Paria Hasori, doctor, doctor, um, she wrote a book called Found in Transition. And even if you're not a parent, like I, I'm not a parent and I loved the book. It was very insightful. And, and again, I do want to be a parent at some point, but it was very insightful as, you know, when you think of having children, you don't think you don't think about the challenges, you know, you don't think like, Oh, well, what's going to happen if my child decides or not decides or feels like they're not born into the body that they feel is their home. Mm -hmm. And how do you deal with that? You know, um, I have another family member who is dealing right now with a child who is, uh, having a really hard time with doing school online and is still getting bullied online. Like, how is that even a thing? What? How's that even a thing? I have like no idea through their zoom classes. Yeah. Through zoom classes and, and social media, of course, Yeah, social media, you know, but like, how does that even happen during a zoom class? I think there was, you know, a thing where they saw something in the background and they were kind of like, um, socioeconomically shaming her, you know? Um, so it was just really, Oh, it made me really mad, you know? And I was yeah. like, you know what? That is really, hard to deal with, you know, certain people aren't as privileged and for, you know, kids, and these are, you know, junior high, seventh, eighth graders, and you're not really at the age where you can, you know, not let shit like that bother you, you know? Yeah. Oh, at that point in time, it bothers you the most. You're so sensitive. Your hormones are changing. 
it feels like nothing will ever be okay. Yes. <laughs> I mean, somebody needs to just sit every prepubescent and teenage child down and be like, this will not last forever. I know. But even if you're in that, I mean, do you remember what you were like at 12, 13 years old? Oh, I was kind of a terror. I was a bit <gasps> bossy. No, you, no. Tessa. I yeah, I was super bossy. Oh I God. had a friend that called to break up with me. She was like, oh, we just can't be friends anymore. Oh my God. She, she broke up with me and I was like, Oh my God. I, I think she said something about me being too bossy. Tessa. <laughs> no. <laughs> the least bossy person ever. This is so well, but, but if you think about it, you know, I'm actually learning a lot about, so right now I'm in the middle of well, I just finished, but I'm going back to do some of the exercises. I'm reading the Clarity Cleanse by Dr. Habib Sadehi. Uh, I'm actually, this is a separate topic that we can discuss maybe next week yes, once, I'm, once I'm really done with all the exercises. Mm -hmm. um, but what I'm learning is how our past impacts our psycho-spiritual body and how things like that get really embedded into our our bodies. So our biography becomes our biology, yeah. right? So it's the whole thing. Issues are in our tissues and memory gets stored in the body. You know, you, you throughout teaching, I've, I've talked a lot about that sort of psychosomatic experience that we lodge a lot of these traumas, memories, things in our bodies. And if we don't express them somehow, the book talks a lot about doing writing exercises and, um, you know, different types of meditations and getting, you know, body work and utilizing your, your body yoga exercise, whatever to, to really, um, move that energy through, you know, so just going back to your point, you know, how you say now, that's not who you are. You're not that person, but in a sense, it's like, okay, well that happened maybe to stifle that part of you because you didn't want to be broken up with, you know? Yeah. yeah. So interesting. Look, I'm learning all kinds of things about myself right now in this process, you know, say, same thing about, you know, speaking up. I, I think for me, I was the most, um, sort of verbose person child because I felt so weak. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's always like the weak people feel like they need to really show up in the world in a very big way yeah. to feel, um, so that people don't feel their weakness, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And for me, that was something that I struggled with a lot when I was smaller because I hung out with older, older kids. My sister was three years older than I was. And I always wanted to hang out with the older kids and, I was always a smaller person. And so being loud and being, you know, very vocal, I thought would hide the fact that I was, you know, insecure, that I felt like I didn't matter, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, and then what happens when I got into high school, then it, then it just went the opposite, right? I got like totally uh, stifled because I was then too vocal, too proud, too confident to, you know, then it's like, oh, okay, I got to go back in my shell, my Ken Syrian shell, <laughs> you know? That's so I, right. yeah. I think it's so interesting when we really utilize, um, 
our history to provide us insight to whatever it is that we're going through. Because I think that, you know, a lot of the things that we talk about on the show, like we talked about last week, one of the things that you and I discussed was this, this opportunity to integrate what's happening, you know, or what is being said, what's being talked about. Yeah. And our current political and, and social landscape for sure. Yeah. And just not, and not only just that, but also just our internal journey, our internal spiritual journey, you know, where Mm -hmm. we're going, how we're connecting, how we're meeting ourselves where we are and how we're being compassionate towards ourselves. Even knowing all of this knowledge, everything that we know, everything that we practice, we can still fall a little bit short in the realm of self-care, you know, even, you know, with all the restorative yoga poses that I know, and I've got all the equipment back here and I've got a special room. I've not done any restorative in this room, you know, Mm. just little things like that, where it's like, we have this knowledge, we have this insight, but we still don't take the time to maybe I'm just speaking for myself. I don't know. Well, I I get what you're saying as a fellow restorative teacher, and that's something that I love to teach, but do I ever carve the time out of my day to give myself that class? Not unless it's on the schedule for somebody else. (laughs) Right? See? Yeah. Ditto. I mean, I remember when we were, you know, apropos talking about the Nourish and Escape retreats that we did last year with Elise. Um, You know, I remember you doing the classes and you're just like, oh my God, I get to practice. And I'm like, you know? But, but again, thinking, yeah, but you can practice anytime you can practice at any time, you know, whenever, whenever you want, you can, you can practice after we're done, you know, you can practice before we started, you know, but yeah, it's just, well, it's also different when somebody's guiding you, right? That's the one thing that I miss. I mean, we'll, we'll take it, we'll take it into the interview with Alan here in a moment, but yeah. I miss being in class. I miss being with my students. You know, I miss hugging people. I miss adjusting people. You know, I miss that nourishing uh, presence of of guiding and being guided, right? Yeah. yeah. That's it. I think you hit the, the what is it? The, the coffin on the nail? On the yeah. Oh, <laughs> Thank you. Whatever. You know what I mean. <laughs> uh, but it, you know, even as I think about a teacher like Alan, you know, and, and you are my teacher, like very much when I'm in the room with you, it's just uh, the ability for me to release and let go and let somebody else guide. And I feel so safe and I don't have to mentally think I can actually drop into my body. I'm not the one that's guiding this process for, even if it's for myself, just a home practice for myself, there's still this element of the mind for me. That yeah. It's so much harder to turn off. And maybe that's just a story I tell myself, mm. but, but yeah, I think there's an element of that when we, we are able to, to be with our teachers, um, that that's just a little bit more relaxing and cozy and, and calming. Do you know what yes. I mean? Yes. Oh yes. So here's what I recommend, um, for everybody listening. Cause we, we want to leave you always on a, on a high loving note, as opposed to being like, Oh God, we all miss yoga. We all miss it. You know, some of you listening to this are already, over, you're at your yoga studio. You're able to go back, but I'm in California. Uh, I'm in Los Angeles and, and still a, a majority of places are still closed and, uh, yoga studios and gyms are 100% still closed. So, 
um, if, if you're on, on, on that same path as, as me, what I recommend is setting aside even just 20 minutes of your day and getting your yoga mat or a towel or whatever you have accessible and just go lay on the floor. If you have a bolster or a blanket or a pillow, stick that pillow behind your knees and lay on your back and let your arms just rest. And you can just stay there for as long as you want. The entire 20 minutes. Great. You did something, Mm -hmm. you know, um, you can always just do that for five to 10 minutes and then, you know, put the pillow or the bolster along the spine. So just to have a more heart opening restorative and just lay on your back and take a few deep breaths and you can stare at the ceiling or you can be brave and go outside and just stare at the sky. If it's not too cold, if it's not too hot, um, you can just set aside some time in the living room or in the bathroom. One of my students is, um, has now become a teacher that <laughs> many parents have <laughs> because they, all their children are at home. And so she, I helped her create this little space in her bathroom, which she's got a nice bathroom. It's, it's not huge, but it's enough for her to bring all of her two bolsters, a blanket, a yoga strap and her mat. And she, she cleans the bathroom floor first, (laughs) but then she just lays it down and does yoga nidra and just, you know, lays, lays on the ground. And she's like, I feel so bad that all I'm doing is just laying on the floor. And I'm like, no, that's great. That's all you need. You know, we're, we're constantly inputting stuff in it's, it's an opportunity for you to connect to your breath, to connect with the divine, to, just restore yourself back in your own resplendence, you yeah. know? Well, and even just the, uh, the physical aspect of laying down on the ground, that negative oh. iron charge that you get from being that much closer to the earth. It's such a visceral mm. physical thing that your body receives. This is coming from somebody who lives in the Pacific Northwest, who she gets <laughs> access to like being out in nature so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's like yes place. <laughs> um all right well on that note uh tessa thanks again so much for being here i'm excited about today's guest um without further ado here is alan finger i am joined by a very special guest truly a very special guest i i'm so excited to have him on the show not only because he is a prolific teacher in our, uh, just in our world of yoga, mindfulness, meditation. Um, but he's also, uh, my great grand teacher lineage. I don't even know how I would explain that, but welcome Alan finger. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so honored. Um, Alan, he was raised in South Africa and he was a student of, uh, Kavi yoga Raj Mani finger, and he travels all over the U.S. and Canada and Europe and South Africa. He's the author of Chakra Yoga and Tantra of the Yoga Sutras, which I've read both. So I thank you so much for being here. Wonderful to be here. Thank you. I'm so excited. I have so many questions. Selfishly, I just really want to ask you questions about myself and my own journey. <laughs> but, but I think it would be really great to just, yeah, I think one of the things that's happening right now for me, and I know that a lot of our listeners are struggling just with 
this year with everything 2020. And I know that for me anchoring into my practice, yoga, meditation, mindfulness, yoga, nidra has really helped keep me grounded. I'm not saying it's 100% worked <laughs> because, I'm, because I'm human and there's been times where it's just been really difficult. So I'm hoping that you can speak to, you know, what, what's been your experience having the knowledge that you, the vast knowledge that you have, like, what have you felt during this year and, and what do you see happening? What's, what's been at the forefront of your experience? So first of all, let's recap a little of what happens to us as a human being, because if we understand that when we are born and we begin to get exposed to the world of the five senses, that world of the five senses that we develop from being exposed to the world starts to form in our brain this picture of who we think we are. So there's this picture and this world that's developed in our brain that we relate to through our five senses. And then we start to call that world and that being that's wherever it is in that uh, part of the world, we start to call that me. And that's really a problem. That's really a, not our true identity. That's something, it's just a dream because our thoughts are really just dreams. So if we understand that, and it's explained very nicely in the yoga sutras with the, as the klishas. And the klishas are like they say, afflictions, but it means the error that happens when we become trapped in the misbelief, in our vidya, in the belief that our senses world and our dreams are reality. Mm. That creates us then to have an ego. And the reason why that even happens is because when we're born, we have to survive and we have to procreate. We don't have to, but it's built into us too. So those two things drive us through this life. Survive, then procreate because it's built into us to carry on the evolution process. Whilst we go through that, we become attached to things that we're exposed to. And those things are not real. So when we look at life and what's going on and COVID, which in, in this plane is a disaster, and politics, where there's just a lying left, right, and center. And <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Um, it's like when we go into the senses world, our emotions kick in and we react to what's going on. If we can practice yoga and pull out of the senses world and feel who we really, what, what are we really? Who is that who that's viewing everything? If we can know that, 
That means we're in touch with our Atman, our spirit, our soul, whatever you want to call it. Our consciousness that has no vritti, no modification. Our consciousness gets modified by mind and thought and the ego forms. So when consciousness is molded into that, we think that's us, but we're not. So if we can learn how to meditate, how to pull out of the five senses, the mind, and feel who we really are. What is our consciousness without any attribute? Any attribute. When we feel that, we're tapping in to unbound intelligence, which is the name of the book because it's the unbound intelligence. It's unbound. It's more than a brain can be. So it's genius. So anyone who can tap into genius comes back and looks at life and can respond to life rather than react. When we react, it's COVID, it's presidential elections, it's chaos. And we get pulled into it and the dramas begin. Whereas we come to it from spirit, we come to it from a pure vision. We express and do what our role necessarily is, but we know we're going back to meditate and back to self. So whatever it is for each individual and their karma is different to respond to it. But if they're coming from spirit, there's no panic. Mm. There's no insecurity. For spirit is complete and doesn't need this plane. So when yeah. only in this plane are we filled with the drama. Oh. Yeah, I mean, but how how do we how do we operate from that place when everybody is in their ego driven center? You know, how do we how do we behave in a world if if we're meditating, we have practice, we're operating from a place of love, from a place of of consciousness, universal spirit, whatever you want to call it, but the rest of the world is behaving from a state of all, all the senses, panic, fear, and they're just really wrapped up in their their ego centered, separated self. Mm -hmm. So. That's why I use these two words, one reaction and response. Because our mind and senses can only react. And so someone's freaking out and going on, you're going to react to that and think, mm -hmm. okay, what do I do with this? Okay, well, well, and then either take, one day you could be angry at the person, the next day loving, the next day impartial, that's all. How are you going to react depending where you're at? Response, you just flow. You let it come through you. You flow and you give the person love of whatever form that is. And the answers will be there. 
And it's not driving you crazy because you're not feeling reactive, like you have to react and respond and do the right thing for this person. There is no right or wrong. Right. Oh, that sounds so easy. (laughs) It sounds so so easy to do. Yeah. It sounds amazing, but (laughs) the work is a little hard. (laughs) (laughs) Because, Because how do we respond? So many books have been written about being in the now and living from the now, but yes. you can't. <laughs> you actually can't. You have to have a whole lot of rules and how you live in the now. Yeah. But I things mean, happen and pull you into this plane, which is not the now. So the only way is by daily, what is called sadhana in yoga. Sadhana doesn't mean practice. Sadhana means daily tuning back in to your soul, to your spirit, to Brahman, to the unbound intelligence. Because your brain, when you tune into that, your brain becomes saturated with that intelligence rather than the sensual. Maybe I should explain that a little bit more. Yes. In our brain, there's synaptial patterns that develop. Something comes in, it will go down, this synapse, that synapse, that synapse, and work a pattern in your brain. We then become comfortable with what that pattern is. That even if someone tries to change that pattern to make you better, You can get angry at them for doing such a thing. (laughs) But they're trying to make you go the right way and you can get angry because it's it's aggravating where your pattern is cut because you think that's comfortable. Mm -hmm. So meditation is cutting a new pattern. The first pattern is how to quiet your brain, called a parinama. It's called Nirodaha Parinama. The second pattern we cut is how to get in to samadhi, to a state where there's no, where you're in yoga, meaning you're no longer in duality. You're no longer in what your senses function on. The whole world of our senses is duality. Anything in life is duality. Even in nice Buddha, it's a duality. It's a kali and this and that, symbolizing something. So the pattern we want to cut is how to get in, how to get, let our brain get in to the state of samadhi. Once we've done those two things and daily cut that, that pattern becomes strong. And when we have that pattern and we come back into life, we cut now the final pattern, which is called Ekagrata Parinama. Now we cut a pattern in our brain of how to bring that greater intelligence and let it flow into each sense. The headquarter of the sense is a chakra. So your five senses, 
smell, taste, vision, feel, feel and touch, sound, hearing, communication. Those five senses from each chakra occur. So if we can focus the samadhi into each chakra to bring it back into living, then we almost guaranteed response from Brahman, from soul, and to do the right thing in life. That's what my book that you have is all about. Yes. And How I bring the genius into our living. Yes. And that's part of, you know, so, so the book is called The Genius of Yoga, How Yogic Meditation Can Unlock Your Innate Brilliance, which is absolutely incredible. Um, and I learned a lot of things that I, I didn't know, uh, you know, that just hadn't been explained the way that you explained them, um, even down to um, the elements of a yoga practice, you know, and, and really engaging in the framework that we need to have in order to create a good sustainable practice. And I'll, I'll go back to my original question about this time that we're in and how we're in a very, generally I'm speaking, in a very reactive space, right? So, and there's a lot of issues going on and people, it just seems like people are very, very reactive, right? And I feel like, in my opinion, the basis of social media is to create a reaction, you know, I've never been on social media, left social media feeling great and connected to my highest self. <laughs> you know, I, I always leave feeling a little bit lackluster, like I'm something's missing or I'm reacting to, oh, I'm not doing what they're doing or whatever. So I'm curious your, your opinion of social media and how that plays a role in our life. Um, and, and also if you can speak a little bit more to the, the, the framework of our yoga practice. Yeah. So <clears throat> first of all, social media, social media has become a way of how the masses communicate and it's really linking the whole world together as it should be. And there are corruptions to it, but really, I mean, it's connecting China, America, India, all, everything sort of like connected Europe, London. Can be anywhere in Africa in the very darkest parts or remote parts. Till see when they pull out their phone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, traveling through Bali and some of the rural areas, it's so funny. You just, you're driving down this dirt road and you see people on the side of the road just on their smartphones. Yeah. It's, it's so bizarre, yeah. yeah. Or sitting in a little shack where they mm -hmm. live and everything. On the phone. <laughs> <laughs> little thing, yeah. Right? So, but it's connecting us. And the more we can put out this kind of correct information into it, the more people will grow and they're beginning to. There's apps for meditation and stuff, which really is elevating. Mm -hmm. I mean, the amount of people now, before, in the old days, people say, oh, I can meditate. I don't know what meditation is in the older times. But now so many people like 
Oh, you know, I tried this app and I did that and online I did this. So people are able to connect through it. And I think it'll just be a matter of time where the evolution uses this as a tool to uplift consciousness. I mean, it's incredible. Even from COVID now, you know, I'm online teaching. And it's been a, such a breakthrough because suddenly my class where we could only fit maybe 40, 50 people before, now I'm getting 100 people in my class from all over the world, all over America. And I was in New York, but I moved to Florida now. I like the heat. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask what prompted that move because I know that you were in New York for uh, a long time. Right. You know, it's just the cold and it's very hard. And <laughs> I remember going to New York about, oh, I don't know, 30, 40 years ago. And we had done a video and Rod, your, your, your teacher, came and he was with me and we were going through New York. And I said, Rod, Roddy, how do people live here in this? This is crazy. And then... A friend of mine, a student of mine, brought me to New York because I'd set up Yoga Works mm -hmm. and I was going to do one in New York. And I got stuck here for 40, in New York for 40 years. I thought I'd be there maybe five years. Wow. And I kept wanting to get out because I hate the cold. I'm from Africa. Finally, when COVID came, I could make the move. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that's a, a, as great as a reason as any. You know, I find that a lot of people are utilizing this time to reevaluate the important things in their lives. And a lot of people, you know, I live in Los Angeles and a lot of my friends are moving out of California. They're moving to different parts. They're moving to Oregon. They're moving to Texas, to Austin. They're moving to Montana. Like everybody is just sort of reevaluating big city mm -hmm. living. And to me, I, I, I lived in Portland, Oregon for four years, but I, and I love being in a rural space, especially growing up in a city. I, I love being out in nature and spaciousness, but I still feel like the draw to being in the city. And I know when it's time for me to move to a different place, I'll know when that is. But I just think it's interesting that this time provided the opportunity for a lot of people to slow down and be still and, and reevaluate. I mean, being in quarantine itself for a lot of people I know was extremely traumatic. I know that for me, it was all I wanted to do because I spend the majority of the time traveling like yourself. I mean, I, I spend 80% of the year on the road doing workshops, <laughs> teaching, you know, just, just yeah. doing that. And so all I said last year was, all I want is to just be at home. That's all I want. I just want to be able to just be at home. Like I'm, I'm tired of traveling. You. And it did. And, and since I've been home, I love being at home. I, I am a homebody. But all I want to do now is like, I want to go. I'm, I'm ready to go travel. I'm ready to go and, and see my people and, and just connect. And well, yeah. Well, the fortunate thing is, is online, on, on yes. the internet. So there you go. The internet is playing so much of a role. 
yeah actually allowed me to move here because yeah. of zoom and all that i do all my teaching online and i'm busy all day and it's fantastic well yeah you got you got a new macbook studio, for it in new york we closed the studio down we were wanting to anyway because the rent was just that ridiculous and you couldn't for a yoga it was becoming impossible but we were going to look for a, a place with you know smaller rent and a little smaller and something like that i mean jiva mukti closed they were all they had closed before this yeah i mean all the yoga works closed too right yoga works all closed yeah. so it's just you know i mean the rents are just like in 20,000 30,000 you can make enough yoga to do that no so we were going to move and i think we still will find a little place when covid ends as a little headquarter but now on the our actual membership has grown wow online because people can do it at different times and all over yeah so it's and the internet is the vehicle for all of this my daughter is on school and i don't put in school yet she's online she loves it in room and yeah <laughs> I did a lot of my classes online too. I love doing online classes. And it, to me, I, I've been really grateful to have the inner, I just, I guess I think about social media as different from the internet. I have such a, you know, love, not love relationship with social media just because of, uh, you know, to, the way I see it is I'm opening myself up to somebody else inserting something that may cause a reaction and i don't like that <laughs> you know it, i think it's just you a really interesting a way vulnerable on the on social media because whatever you say you can get someone with a different opinion coming back right but you know it's going to have its ups and downs and i think you should just protect yourself get the right blocks <sighs> That's so, so true. No, that's so true. You know, in a time where, you know, talking about connecting to that Atman or your soul, you know, that part of you that is the observer, right? The part of us that we can actually connect to what is beyond our ego, um, our kleshas, all the things that are blocking us from actually connecting to that essence, um, when we're in that, when we're on that journey to get there and there's so much information being thrown at us, how, how can we discern whether I'm actually trying to still the mind and disconnect from the frenetic energy of the world to connect to that and versus I'm just going to pretend that everything is great and I'm just going to disconnect from the social issues of the world and in what some would call spiritual bypass. Um, yeah. So I'm curious as to how do we discern which is which when, when I'm, I'm connecting to that part of myself, I'm, I'm doing my meditation practice. I'm operating from that, that place as opposed to, Oh, I don't want to watch the news. I don't want to know anything that's going on. It's all just peace and love. I'm going to move on. So, um, first of all, we're born into this planet after billions of years of evolution. 
And us as human beings were born with our frontal lobe in the evolution process of this planet. And now we are born into a body at this time to do our little role in evolution. That's why we're here. So whatever our role is, running away and just saying I'm peace and love won't last. Right? right? It won't last. You'll do that a bit and then suddenly the world will pull you in another way back in. Mm. It pulls us in because it's part of the evolutionary process. So the only way to deal with all of this, let your life unfold. It's got, you need to do that. It's happening anyway. It's happening and it's your karma. That's what karma is. The happening of all of this. So we've got our role, our individual role of this little bit of karma that we're doing. And we have to live it. How we live it. How we go through it. That's your free will. So you can go through your karma and your lessons like that. Or you can stretch them out. So you can be going on and on and on and on with the same lesson. Or you can get it, see it, do it, let it go. It's finished. So that seed of karma gets completed. So Krishna told Arjuna, in the battlefield. Listen to your breath. Look in here. Come into Asha. See, try and look into the point here and just see the light. Wait for the light to come. And as soon as you see the light, the answers will fall into you and then open your eyes and do the karma you need to do. Even if it's being at war with your cousins. Which is what the Gita was about. Right. Oh, so I try in life to help people. I try and be like Krishna. <laughs> to help people go to the light. Then when you do, when your karma is there, you can just live it. And if we get that sadhana, that daily practice, that daily, I was taught you need 18 minutes of silence a day. If you can get that 18 minutes of stillness, you cut the pattern in your brain, the parinama, to get there. So for me, who's been doing this for nearly 60 years, the pattern's there. I can go right now. Bye-bye. Close my eyes. Once. So all your practice, your asana, your pranayama, your visualizations, your kriyas, are all there as tools to reach you back into the now. So you need to, that's why a teacher is necessary, to help you find the right practice and the right 
tools to get you there. Yeah. Can you actually, uh, this is a topic that we've talked about on the podcast before, actually, when, uh, when Rod was on, we talked about that as well. The importance of having a teacher, um, you know, I know that there's been, you know, so many different opinions of people and, and, and gurus and having a teacher. I'm of the belief, obviously, that you need a teacher. It's always good to follow somebody whose flashlight's a little brighter than yours, you know, than, than our own. Um, so can you talk a little bit about the efficacy of having a teacher and, and why it's important? So originally, a teacher, a guru, was necessary because you're in the dark and he's got the light. He's reached the light. So he knows how to show you the pathway to where to go. But this was the pathway. There's 72,000 pathways in your own body, nadis. And where your consciousness is stuck and moving in your body is where you are. So to find Brahmanadi, that one meridian that's going to take you to enlightenment, you need a good teacher. You need a guru. Now, the guru then became a business. <laughs> and in India today, they love to play that business because the structure of the society is to, right. to go there. Right. And they put themselves in a big chair and a special hat and some Ajna stuff, right? <laughs> and they talk very slowly with pauses. Your guru in the sutras, not the yoga sutras, it's from another sutra, says, your guru can be a drunk and a crazy person. But if that's what your guru is, that showed you the light, that is your guru, respect them till the end. Why did that sutra, why is it there? I'm not advocating follow a drunk. But it was put there at the opposite extreme mm. because people were looking. They didn't want people to look for the person with the hat and the beads and the orange clothes. Yes, my child. Namaste. Birds and geese and ducks and trees. <laughs> it's not real. The guru is very real, it's a human being, but who knows where to show you where to go. And the gurus are 99% initiated by their teacher into a lineage. So your teacher shows you, guides you, and when you see, when the light is strong in you, you can take, and you know how to take it there, and you know what the downfalls could be in for other people going there, then that is a good guru. Yeah. So we need it. We need someone to help us to get through this. Otherwise, look what people do. And on, on social media at the moment, 
they're also trying to coin in. You know, mm-hmm. you get someone who is a pretty girl. Now she's yoga specialist girl and <laughs> something and, and with no foundation and quoting yeah. things and sayings. And, but it's all stuff on this mortal plane that they're busy playing. Yeah. The guru will take you from darkness to light, from death to immortality. That's what a guru does. And they show you how to not be busy in the mundane world, but know who you really are. And who you really are, you use the word observer. Mm-hmm. Well, the observer is that part of your consciousness that's withdrawn from the senses. So when your consciousness is no longer entangled in the senses and it's full, you're the observer. So we can't give the observer names and identity. Because if you say, who am I then? Well, you are the thing that's asking who? (laughs) Your consciousness. And the only way to get there is to close your eyes, learn the passage for you, have the right mantra, have the right tools, do the right asanas for you at the right. Is what asanas become today a competition? Oh yeah, and I and I can we talk about that yeah. because you 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 talk about it in the book, and I really love that you gave the examples. I think there's one of how to sit with the phone in your face too. Um, so can we speak? Okay, so <laughs> maybe it's because of the way that I I studied and the way that I came up, you know, learning. Uh, you know, I, I did my teacher training through yoga works. And as I said, I've been studying with, with um, Rod right. for a long time. And so my understanding of asana and the purpose behind asana and Kriya is, is so it's all very similar. It, it felt very familiar the way that you were speaking about it. Um, but I have a lot of people, you know, even I have a lot of students and just from, again, like what you were saying, what asana has become, it, it's just, to me, I, I try to keep an open mind and I say, you know, it's sort of that entry level. Like if it's going to bring you in to go into a deeper type of practice, get there however you get there, right? Just arrive at the doorstep however you arrive. But I think now it's just become so, I, I don't even know what's going, there's so many fusions and different, oh, let's do this and um whatever, I don't want to even say anything because I know a lot of people listen to my podcast and I don't, I don't want to, you know, say, but I feel like there's a lot of things out there calling itself yoga. And I don't believe that it's actually yoga. I don't know what it, it's exercise. So just to help you understand, so, so we can put this in the right department. Okay. People will say to me, Al, my meditation is jogging. I said, yeah, I can see that. It's making your mind focus and getting repetitive and onto one thing, and it's taking it from distracting. This is one beginning of meditation. Then, when it becomes effortless, this pulling in, that's the next level of meditation. Then, 
But effortless concentration on one point will lead you, when it becomes effortless, is going to lead you into the first levels of nirvitarka samadhi, where now you're just effortlessly flowing. So your senses will quieten. But when you're jogging, you can't get that level. You can only stuck, stick in the first level. Savitarka samadhi, stilling and focusing and creating oneness. Because if you were jogging and you went into oneness, you'd fall on your face, your senses would come in. <laughs> right? You would stop right. looking and running. Yeah. So, yeah, jogging can be the beginning, but then you've got this next level. Then, when the mind is effortlessly focused, you go into samadhi. You begin to reflect spirit, something else. It's called Savi Chara Samadhi. Then, after you're reflecting spirit, you become spirit. Nirvichara Samadhi. And when you become spirit, there's nothing. You're one. That's the goal of what we're trying to get to in yoga. So, in the marketplace, we got jogging, we got asana. Now, people start doing asana and they do a down dog and they feel, oh, God, that really released me. Oh, back bend, oh my God, open me up, great. Balance, wow, when I got that balance, I became focused, right? Great stuff. But then, People did teacher training because they loved this so much. Most teacher trainings teach you about how the body works, anatomy, what the poses are, break them up in different ways. Yoga works, why I didn't stay with it, taught people how to reach a peak pose. I'm not concerned in a peak pose, I mean concerned in a peak consciousness. Well, that's a mic drop, just saying. Yeah. yeah. I want people to know the poses are purely how to balance your body. And people got a peak pose, how to reach some pose that looked hard to do and special. Well, I kind of got the idea, but it's awfully competitive. <laughs> so what happened? The shirts came off, <laughs> the tattoos and the Sanskrit came on, <laughs> and people started this. Look at that dude. That dude can do this such and such a pose, and he can even use the Sanskrit word for it. <laughs> Unbelievable master. Right? Well, what's different between that master and someone in Cirque du Soleil, in the circus? They do more than most of these yogis can even do. So, but then they go and have a beer and a smoke after their show and feel wonderful. I saw that in the pier of Santa Monica when I lived in LA. 
And I went to the, to the, the tent that they had there and yeah. I watched it and I came out and we thought, we'll just go for a little walk. Through. And, and I saw them all sitting there and all the people were in the show down and you could see from mm-hmm. the pier. Yeah. And they were all having a beer and smoking and laughing. I was like, well, <laughs> there's, the, there's the epitome of where yoga's going. So yoga was done to balance the body and the energetics that's in the body to bring us to a peak consciousness, to a place where a body, as Patanjali put it, you know, he mentioned asana in the sutras once. What did he say? You must be able to sit in a comfortable, steady seat. You do asana to get that. That's what you're getting it for. So when you sit, you're not distracted by your body. Okay, some people need first to go and bend and bend and bend, but ultimately it's so they can sit comfortable and feel oneness. Next step, pranayama, which most people have no idea of, teaching how to count and force your breath. You can't force your breath. Your brain has to be in a certain place for your breath to respond in a certain manner. So it's, it works hand in hand. Pranayamas are great, but you've got to know what you're doing them for. Yeah. Which lead us to Kriya Yoga. Kriya Yoga is how we move our consciousness and find the, the pathway where it needs to move to lead us to a state of oneness. So yeah, I'll give it to you. Brahmanadi between goes from the root to the top fontanelle. When it comes up and your consciousness can come up there and move through the brain from the ajna, the hypothalamus, from there through both lobes of the brain into the space between your brain and the top of your head. You're in nirvichara, Samadhi. If you get your consciousness to that space, you're there. Put it there. You did it in a second. I did. I was, I, you were guiding and I, I yeah. went there. Let your consciousness go th- light, ajna, through the brain into that space between brain and top fontanelle. Your jaw needs to relax. The Ajna will lift. The harakasha between the, lobe, the lobes of the brain will lift. And your consciousness moves through. And you're in a state of oneness. There's no duality. As soon as you think, back. Come, come, you open your eyes, come back. I, all right, hold on. Where am I? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it, it feels so nice. Yeah, going into doing and, that. And just one more thing. Kriya Yoga teaches us where to and how to get our consciousness there and what could go wrong along the passage. So what you need to do. And that's the job of a guru to help you find your consciousness through. Hmm. If you can sit long enough there, the top fontanelle softens and opens. Brahmarandra. 
and you can reconnect with Brahman. Yeah, you've got a, a strap on top. <laughs> I know, I have it right here. I've got a blockage. Yeah, this is oh the only God. thing I can share online because I've got a big dent here and it's soft. Right? Like How do baby. I find mine? Huh? Do I find A little, there... little bit back. A little bit there. Oh, yeah. Hmm. And, and when you press that point, it's kind of like... <laughs> It feels re- extremely relaxing. Yeah. It's also a, a marma point. Oh, that's probably why. Yeah. You never oh, want to press goodness. on that one. You just gently rub it. Mm. Oh, um, I, I, you're, I'm, I'm already going there. I'm like, I want to just sit and pra- <laughs> practice. <laughs> oh, I knew we would. So nice. Yeah. Um, I especially. I thought that's what that big ball was. Is when you go too far out, you can grab it. Oh, that's funny. Now your microphone. <laughs> oh, this. <laughs> to catch me. Yeah. My... Yeah. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Hmm. That's that's really nice. That's why I have to stand when when I do interviews because if I'm sitting and if I'm. I'm listening. I'm I'm trying to just focus and be fully present, but sometimes I'm just so engaged in the conversation that I could just feel myself just, you know, I I don't know. It, it sitting down was not not good for me. I mean, it was great. Yeah. It felt nice, but I think standing just allowed me to feel a little bit more like awake yeah. and. So engaged. if that happens when you're uh, doing your stuff, make put your feet flat on the floor and even. And not during the, the practice, although eventually during your recordings, yeah. but feel a, a circle of energy this big going around the top of your foot into the earth under and around. Oh. And do it counterclockwise 24 times, clockwise 18 times. And with your hands like this in this mudra, Surya mudra with the heel of the hand in your navel. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, and that will ground you. Now, you need to practice that a few times during the day, 24-18, that when you're online and you're doing your interviews, you can just, you put your hands and you talk, and you go, "Mm -hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yes, yes. mm." But you just energetically feel it. But when you've cut the pattern in your brain, easy to feel. Mm. Oh, that's so good. I love these. Give us more. I want to know what else. What do I do when I'm feeling, when I'm feeling really anxious? Yeah, right I'm showing you on my leg. Look, my nice, my Emmy pants. They look see. like India. But on this point here, on the, if there were a center line in your calf to the inside over there, you press down here, three points. And as you press those points, boom, 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 about 20 seconds each, whoosh, grounds your energy. Oh. Feel it? Oh, my goodness. That feels, it's a little tender in there. It's yes. Big. Yeah. If the tenderness will ease up after time. But it's kind of amazing. As you did that, you got color in your cheeks. Yeah. At first, do I, wait, was do, I do, it in, do I do it in both legs or just one? One at a time. 
Okay. Oh, that's nice. Oh, yeah. we need so much grounding right now. Yeah. So when you're on your show, if you even, you put one leg like I do, I put one leg out and then I kind of just, you know, my legs like that and I just press. Whilst you're talking, asking, if I, if I get out there, too much out there, I just press like that as I'm sitting with you. Jackie. I go out there, go out there all the time. Pulls you back. Now, on in Ishta, we have Arta Vatva Samyama, which means how to bring the energy back into you. After meditation, that's a whole long practice. Part of it's in the book. Mm-hmm. You really should practice that because that helps. Most people meditate now, finish meditating, and it's like this. Afterwards, I must stay. You can hardly think. Yeah. Because your energy's gone there. Yeah. Or even here. Mm-hmm. So when you finish, you need to learn how to bring it through the points for each chakra and bring the energy down. I've put mantras to it and put a whole list of practice together so you can bring the energy back properly. That when you finish meditating, I say namaste, but I go like this. Mom Tatsat. Namaste. Have a super wonderful week. I'm radiant. I'm there after meditation. You'll never see our birds and geese and ducks and trees. <laughs> you oh, asked me at goodness. the beginning, what should I call you? Well, I am initiated into Kavi Yogi Raj, Yogi Amrita. And I don't use any of that. Why? Because it's going to lead people to believe that they must become a Yogi Raj and a Kavi Yogi Raj and blah, 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 and have a Sanskrit name. A new thing to hold on to. A new Mm. dream. So I go by the name Al. (laughs) Very simple name. I wear nice, simple clothes. Oh, well, I sometimes I hide beads in there just in case. You do? Oh, that's so just because I like them and I have Ganeshas because I love them all over. <laughs> oh my, God. Down Ganesha. <laughs> my partner in the yoga studio, Mona G, Mona Anand, she's from half Indian, half from Virginia, one pair. But she goes to India every year because she grew up in Mumbai. She brings me different Ganeshas, every year Ganesha. And so this was such an interesting one, a lying down Ganesha. <laughs> I love that. So I have my little odds and ends, you know. I, it's wonderful. I enjoy it. But it's really not. That doesn't make me really no. spiritual. The spiritual is when I'm going to oneness. And that's where it really exists. So I think, not for me, but I think tattoos on certain people look very cool. Right? It's just kind of nice. I like it. I would never do I'm too much of a baby to do it myself. <laughs> but I'm not against it. You know? Everything is wonderful. But it's not if how many tattoos and nose rings and blah blahs you can have. It's how much Shakti you can radiate in life. 
Another quotable moment. Try and uplift everyone by uplifting your own consciousness, uplift all beings with you. If you could leave, if somebody is listening to this right now and they are new to the world of yoga and they're listening to your words and they're really resonating with them, um, what is the what is the first thing that somebody that's listening to this right now that's feeling a lot of frenetic energy and is feeling really disconnected? What what's the first thing that you would tell them to do right now? Well, I would tell them to learn if they did yoga to do a few yoga poses. Five, six poses, plenty. Sit down and get their breath full and deep, which means the diaphragm goes down, the ribs lift up. Breathe out, ribs lower down, belly pulls in, diaphragm comes up. If they know more structured breathing, they could go more into it. The one of the most incredible practices, Nadi Shudana Pranayama, alternate nostril breathing. Breathe in this nostril, out that. In this one, out that. For a beginner, start to make the ratio one, one, one. In one, hold one, out one. So if you breathe in comfortably for five, hold for five, and breathe out for five. Whatever your comfortable one is, sustain it and out the same. As you alternate the flow of air through the nostril. And then... Magic happens if you do that. What happens? Your mind, the fuel for your mind, the fuel for life is what? Not whole foods. <laughs> it's breath. <laughs> the fuel for life is your breath. If I grabbed your nostril and stopped your breathing, you wouldn't think I was a nice chap. You'd knock my hand off and fight for breath. Breath is life. Mm -hmm. So here we're taking the breath. And, you know, you see people have two holes here. It wasn't a mistake. <laughs> we breathe in one side for an hour, 28 minutes, and switch to the other. In a healthy, balanced human being. Each one is a different electrical polarity of prana, which creates the ability for opposites in this plane that we're in. So we're taking the breath and we're literally confusing it as we do that. We're making it go even through both nostrils. You know when you, what happens? If you were to breathe even through both nostrils, what would happen to you? You'd go into a daydream. What is a daydream? Meditating. You stop thinking and you look at a light bulb or something. Right? Because the prana went through both nostrils as the nostrils change. So... If we, but now, that's not real good for living, but for meditating, for getting out of living, most phenomenal tool. Yeah. After that, when it's flowing even, put your attention between the eyebrows. You can put a little saliva there and moisten it, or you can just put pressure 
and release it. Sit down and let your consciousness go between the brow and feel the rhythm of Om. Bingo. Please, when you're finished, bring the energy, massage it down to your feet or read the book and get the mantras to use. Yes. Oh, thank you so much. That's so wonderful. You really gave us so many different practices. And actually the book does have uh, a couple of uh, asanas as well, some postures, yeah. Um, also some breathing techniques. Um, it's got your Ishta meditation practice. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so <laughs> this is, it's incredible. It's, it's also, uh, it's co-written by Peter Furco. Um, yes. So I will be putting the link for the book on the info button of this podcast. So for those of you that are interested, please definitely um, get this book. It's, it, I, I read it in a, an afternoon. Uh, it was a, a pretty quick read yeah, for me. Yeah. And um, yeah, and I'm so, I'm so grateful. So I, I want to be respectful of your time. I am, again, just so honored. And it, it's been extremely... I don't, I can't think of another word, but it's been very enlightening <laughs> and, uh, I'm, I'm so grateful that, um, yeah, that I had the honor and the privilege of having a conversation with you. I do have one final question. Sure. And, um, I asked this to all of my guests and it's pertaining to this podcast and why I started the podcast. I started the podcast because I wanted to create a space, a community for people to go to, to get inspired, creative, or to just um, feel support of a like-minded community or just to learn more about these different types of modalities. The whole idea or the ethos behind Radically Loved is that we are radically loved by source, God, universe, divine presence, whatever your higher power belief is that we are radically supported and radically loved. And so my question to you is how it's two parts. So the first one is how do you feel radically loved? And the second thing is what do you radically love? Okay. These are two very easy questions, answers, because when your mind is still the nature of consciousness that is not distracted by mind is unconditional love. That's the essence. That's the language of your soul. But we don't know our soul. We know all the coverings of our mind. So as soon as we eliminate those and we feel the soul, we feel loving, unconditional loving. Not the lover, not the loved, not... You're just loving. So radical love is where you're loving unconditionally. You're just love. So there isn't you, I'm not how I'm radically loved or how I'm radically loving. When we're in the neutral place, just pure love, that's all. That's where I go. So I love the name, Radical, of your show, because I thought, oh, this is definitely something for me. <laughs> <laughs>
Right? Yeah, no, it's so perfect. Radical love is the language of your soul. So good. I'm going to have to quote you on that. Um, quote me. Be with me. <laughs> Let's fly together. Oh, thank you so much, Alan Finger, everybody. Thank you so, so much for being a guest, for joining us, for sharing your wisdom and your insight. I am, again, I, I am just honored and, and grateful. Thank you for all the work that you've done, for all of the teachings that you've done that have for sure impacted me in my life and my journey. And I just um, forever grateful for that. So for the people that are watching this or listening to this on whatever <coughs> device place they're listening to, where can they go for more information? To the Ishta Yoga site, ishtayoga.com. Everything's on there. We have videos, we have lectures, 500 lectures and classes. So there's a ton of information there. Wonderful. So yeah, we'll link that in the show notes again. So <clears throat> check the show notes. Uh, we'll put all of the links that Alan just mentioned there and be sure to subscribe, rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and write us a review and let us know what you thought of this particular episode. If you think that it will help you or somebody, you know, please share, share on all your socials, um, share everywhere, <laughs> share everywhere. And again, Alan, thank you so much. Again, I I'm just, I'm so honored. I, I'm just so grateful. Thank you. Thank you too. And thank you for having me on the show. And everyone have a super wonderful life. You can make it that. Wonderful. Hey everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I am so excited to continue to do this. Please share this with your friends. Email us. Message us on Instagram at Rosie Acosta or on Twitter at Rosie Acosta. Subscribe on iTunes. Write a review. We love doing this, so please help us continue to keep this podcast going. Thanks for listening.